welcome to episode 11 of What Would You Do If? Today we are going to cover the subject of what would you do if a client cancelled their campaign because it was too successful. Too successful. And it's happened this week. It has happened. The first time ever in my career um, we've been accused of being too good at our jobs. Um. But <laughs> let's, let's give a bit of context about it. It's funny, yeah. it is funny, but it created a big debate and I've gone mm. away since yeah. and reflected on it, so it'd be a good chance to talk about it today. Yeah. So, to give a bit of a backstory, um, we deal with a global client. They have a marketing teams all over the world mm-hmm. um, and sales teams all over the world for that matter. So, typical client of ours, global organisation, multilingual, multi-site, and um, we run a campaign in isolation with them. A lead, um, a lead gen campaign? A lead, well... I'm asking you well, a leading question well, there. Well, <laughs> well it, 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 here's the thing, here's the thing. The marketing thought it was a awareness campaign. Yeah, sales definitely didn't. No. Or were sales even aware the campaign was happening? Well, this is the million dollar question. Let's go. So, first of all, first of all the brief was an, a brand awareness campaign. And then, yeah. as the brief continued, which then it became a lead generation campaign. Yeah, it's, I think it sort of evolved as the process went on. Um, but it was, it was very clear the... Well, it's a difficult one, this one, because the original, they wanted, they wanted names to, to fill their database, I guess was the first kind of part of the brief, which might just sound a bit of a, a rogue objective as it is, but they wanted some quality names to add into their database of people who would be interested in buying their product. Yeah. I think then that was interpreted by sales and becoming into more of a, a lead gen campaign where they wanted genuine leads off the back. They didn't just want contacts on a database in a CRM system. They actually wanted some quality leads off the back of it as well, which I would say makes perfect sense at the end of the day. Names in a database are great, but quality names is what you're after and quality leads. Mm. Um, we generated a pretty good, I would say, bank of what I would say is quali- quality leads. Yeah. Um, again, that's another point to discuss in terms of the, the quality well, we of the leads. We'll come back to these points. Um, but yeah, we generated a, de- a decent amount of leads for that client from the from the limited campaign, and we got the the call to sort of say, can we put the campaign on pause um, because sales couldn't follow or couldn't or wouldn't or weren't following up with well, the, what with the leads, like. which I guess is kind of the point to discuss here. But but for for us personally, it was a, re- a really real life example of sales and marketing alignment misalignment. Well, misalignment, but in terms of the the topic of the moment where everybody's. Uh, waxing lyrical about the, the importance of sales and marketing alignment and getting it right in your business. Um, and for me, it was a perfect example of how businesses of all sizes struggle with it. So I think we tend to think of a, a smaller organisation, it must be tough. You've got one man doing all different functions and then a global organisation. That must be hard as well because you're managing different sites and all the global activities. Yeah. But just to see it happen live in front of our eyes. And I, don't, and I honestly don't know yet whether the client appreciates it's a sales and marketing alignment point. Well, I don't think they're coming on to that. I don't think they do, but it's. It, it, Sometimes stars align in, in our world, don't they? And mm. you, you get sent certain signals. And we, funnily enough, had a then had an inquiry yeah. through yeah. from a very very big organisation, big global organisation, from the head of sales enablement. Yep. So they had a head of sales enablement for their global organisation, which I would think is a is a step in the right direction. I understand. It's certainly a new title. I've not yeah. seen it in many other businesses yet. In terms of, I mean, it's a, it's a role definitely without yeah. doubt. Um, it's definitely a role in a global organisation for me and I think that's where we help many businesses not to plug BDB but it's not not let's plug plug BDB but one of the services we offer is a a sales and marketing enabled audit um, which helps you understand where the the market 
gaps are in your market. I think in a, pre- in a previous life, that sales, sales enablement director, manager, whatever you want to call it, probably would have been a sales director, wouldn't it? Yeah, but still, so, so I'll say the system evolution of the terminology, which is right to call it, I mean, yeah. it's making your sales team, enabling them to convert as many sales as they can and giving them the best chance of success in that kind of sales relationship, I'd say is, mm. yeah, it's just an evolution of the title at the end of the day. But yeah, very timely, it's all kind of coming this week, so it's, yeah. yeah. But I think it kind of seems timely because we've been kind of banging on about it now for last six months, haven't we? Mm. Well, long, longer probably, longer. Yeah. So it's, yeah, we, we probably started talking about sales marketing alignment, sales enablement, I would say 12 to 18 yeah, months you ago. You got on board a long time ago, so yeah. you were kind of... No, it's quite a decent, month, decent month, amount of time now. Forward thinking it just feels just... like this year, every, everybody's on it now. It seems to be every seminar, every forum up into everybody speaking about it. Yeah, but do you think that... It, it's funny you should say that, though, because I always think that we perceive that everyone's on it because, obviously, what what's served to us on the internet, yeah. what we go and look for, what we do, and what what how we surround our, our feed, we think everyone's on it. Because yeah. we're ahead of the curve, and, and I'm, I'm basing I'm basing that on the fact of a lot of the forums and events I've been to. So the three seminar that I went to, yeah. which was fairly odd agencies across the globe getting together, um, the theme of that was sales and marketing alignment. Mm. And we also get a lot, of, awful lot of calls in here, like inbound calls off um, people who host I would call sales events for marketers yeah. in ways of trying to get you to pay twenty odd grand to go and sit in a room with a load of high volume targets. They'll do the chemistry meetings for you on the day over a two day event, and these packages go from twenty grand to fifty grand to attend if you want a keynote and all that kind of thing. But all the trends and topics in those are all sales and marketing alignment related. This everything I've been approached yeah. about so far. So it's certainly it's certainly a hot topic at the moment. Um, and one of the hardest things I think where I'm seeing a gap at the minute is people aren't very good at telling people what to do about it. The great identified you've got problems. Because because they don't do it. It's hard to do it. I think I think you've got to do it in smaller bite-sized chunks. I don't think you can go into a global organization and do a sales and market enablement audit. No and we would never do that. No chance. I think you've got to do it in I think you've got to start with mini campaigns. Yeah. And a little bit like we're doing for one of the, the, the people that we've have been picked recently and they have instructed us not to, not to do the sales and marketing name or audit but kind of a similar thing in terms of how they approach exhibitions yeah. and once that works and once that's, that's successful then they can roll it out globally but I think I think more and more people you'll see this coming to the forefront with ABM and everything else we've probably touched on in previous podcasts but about that test and learn approach of taking yeah. a smaller pool testing the theory out and optimising that campaign as you go to make the necessary adaptions to give you the best chance of success when you do roll it out to the larger audience group if that's what you're doing. I think you'll see more and more people doing that and it's exactly the same with this. If you're trying to do a sales and marketing alignment piece and bring the two functions closer together, ABM can help facilitate that again um, or account-based marketing by, if you're going to identify the targets you want to speak to from the outset rather than casting the net wide as, yeah, the, old, yeah. as the old story goes, then it forces the two teams well, to sit the, down and speak. Yeah, I was going to say it forces the planning, the planning issue in terms of around how campaigns are run, what they've done. I mean, there is there is a whole piece around, there'll always be a general, especially for the bigger businesses, there'll always be a general casting that wide campaign. Yeah. But there has to be now be a bit more of a There's focus ongoing awareness, yeah, but then there's who do you want to sell to? Who do you want yeah. to win this year? How much do you know about that customer? Where can you get in contact yeah. with? What can you do with it? And I think for me, that's, that's where you'll see it happening. Mm-hmm. But for me, the magic in terms of what our role is, 
is to tell people and advise people and help people on how to overcome the problem. Because it's dead easy saying, oh, you've got a sales and marketing alignment issue there. So, so, so with, this, with this particular client, there's a few things that we kind of identified where they where, where we think we well, don't think know we, we, we think the problem we, is. we were asked to appraise it today independently yeah um our guys have done a good job on the brief that's what i would say i think we you know we we, we absolutely nailed what we were asked to do yeah um i think the client had echoed that and we'd echo that it's when you start breaking it down that the fact they've had to pause it because it was going too well and sales weren't following up on the leads that when you start right from the start and the outset if you unpick that journey of what questions you've asked and what qualifications you've done along the way that's where we could have done better, they could have done better, we all could have done better, but that's where it was only a small test campaign. Mm. So great. So that, it's we've good, good that it's not worked in a way. Yeah. We've learned from that and in the next campaign it'll get better. Um, and what I would love to the opportunities to do is, I mean, maybe we'll do this, maybe we'll do it free of charge to the client, but to rerun the campaign in its entirety, mm. but after the recommendations we've made and see what kind of a different impact it makes, and it'll be, it'll be tremendous because when you start on picking the journey, which we happily do in a minute, but in the sense of when you go through that process, there's so many gaps in questions that should have been asked, answers that should have been provided, and you know at the at the core at the at the core of the project, it's always a bit of a cheesy question, but what does success look like? That's really what you're saying. So, what do you really want from this? Is it is it leads? Is it that? And there's even confusion in that, like the right Yeah, but it's, it's what it's. I think we've always discussed before. It's and and I'm sure the team did ask what does success look like. And at first, the the answer was. I just we want brand awareness. But I think, but that's where I think the first disconnect is. Yeah, yeah. You've got two different teams giving two different responses, yeah, yeah. so there's no cohesion and no yeah. kind of joined up thinking there right from the off. So if one wants awareness and one wants leads, they are two totally different outcomes. Mm. So how how are we measuring that? What's the measurement and what's the KPI that we've set and they've agreed on before the campaign starts? Yeah. So is it they want thirty high quality leads? Okay. What does high quality mean? You'll get two what's different answers. Your, what's your again. Draw the value? There's all sorts yeah, of things yeah. you've got to go down, but without that kind of information, you'll struggle to actually justify whether it has been successful or not. Because we're sat here thinking, oh, we've generated, I'll use 30 as a number, but you know, it's quite a niche kind of audience you're looking at here. So we've generated mm. 30 fantastic leads. Were, were they fantastic leads? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It'd be interesting to kind of unpick, and, and I think that's what we need to go through with the client. So when you think, what kind of client or prospect do they want to pick up? What's their average order value? So if somebody just come to them and say, "I want five kilograms of your product," is that are they dancing for joy yeah. or is that well, pathetic and yeah. they don't want anything and to do? And sales just look at it and go, "I'm not even bothering calling." Well, you said it the other day, didn't you? Like you've worked in sales in the sense of when the sales leads come through in sales, you jump all over the good ones and people fight over the scraps. So you know if they're getting the leads through and it is five kilograms, you might find their average order value is five ton. So. That isn't a good lead. No. So, like the fact we, that we just, get, oh, it's the right product, but, but it's more. But marketing think they've done their job because they've got a, a, a generated a lead. Yeah, and but if, marketing's, if marketing's goal is to get clicks on that call to action button of getting in touch, mm. then they've done their job. More, more fuel the organisation for not tying it to a, a hard, what quantitative KPI, yeah. which actually develops that you want to sell more of, of, a, of a certain quantity to a certain type of person. And I don't think I don't think I think that's where you can start. But I think that's when we re looked over the you know when you look at redoing the campaign. You'd, once we find out the information in terms of what is the high value, what is the average value order, rather than just it being about clicks, because that's what it was around. Yeah, but even at the base level, we, we've seen this so many times with clients now over the years, and most people we work with have got a lot better in recent years. But it's still there. Those those clicks happen. They click that call to action. They want to get in touch. What happens next? Yeah, yeah. Genuinely, what happens next? Because that's 
it's amazing how many people we, we do well, I think so. we so generate leads for and they disappear so, somewhere. So there's a like statistic the other day, 70% of leads never get followed up. Yeah. But leads yeah, but leads not yeah, but, but leads not getting followed up because the salesmen choose to ignore them or because they don't even know they're there is one thing. Yeah. That could be where do they go? Do they automatically populate a CRM? So so I'm only I, I'm only ever speaking from my experience of, about being in B2B sales for, for a very long time. And you have a, as a salesperson, people might identify with this, might, might not. And I think if you sat on the marketing side of the fence or even the, the CEO side of the fence sometimes, mm-hmm. probably bang your head against a brick wall. But I think you've kind of got to understand the psychology behind that salesperson's mindset, if you like. Yeah. And that, their mindset is, I have X amount of pounds to do yeah. by the end of the month, usually. Yeah. Sometimes quarter, yearly target, whatever it is. Yeah. That person that is either ahead of target or behind target. Mm-hmm. And they're two very, very different mindsets. If you're in behind target, you're in panic mode, so you're, you're grasping at straws, a bit desperate at times. Yeah. You're just about to hit target, so you're like, you know, then your next deal is going to take you into commission or yeah. super commission or whatever it is. Yeah. Or you're over target and you're thinking, well, any deal, any deal is just earning me loads of money. Yeah. And there is three totally different mindsets there. Yeah. So when you plan your day around how you're going to contact clients or leads or what you're going to do, of course you're going to, you're going to go, in each three scenarios, you are going to go for, unless you're scrapping around here, yeah. you're going to go to the easiest low hanging fruit. But then that comes back to, from the marketing perspective, delivering sales with qualified leads. So, so we, we touched on it today, didn't we, in yeah. terms of, in this particular campaign, what was classed as a marketing qualified lead? Yeah. Hazy, I would say. In yeah, terms but, of, but again, I think we, we, we've, we've not touched it on, the, on the, this podcast yet, but we are going to do it on going forward. But, and especially after this one, when we do the um, knowledge on lead generation. Yeah. I think... We've started to do it at BDB, we've kind of touched on it with our tech stack and with Force 24. We've, 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 don't get me wrong, we're not, we're not perfect at it by any stretch of the imagination at the moment, but we are way ahead of other market agencies where we're concerned. We've got to get, people have got to get a good lead scoring, robust process in place. So when we look at, when we go into companies, just to give you an idea if you're listening, when we go into companies, one of the first things one of the first things that I guarantee 95% of businesses don't, don't do. They don't look at what value that lead is. They don't, but what, what makes me laugh on that front, particularly on the lead scoring side of things, I think people shy away from it because they think it's so complicated. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I love numbers. But in the sense of lead scoring is whatever you want it to be. You set any metric you want, and as long as you give a value to an activity and it's got a little bit of... Um, thought behind it so whether it's a high value activity or a low value activity so a high value activity might be somebody's joined your whatsapp broadcast list because they've opted in they want to hear from you somebody subscribed to your podcast they want to hear from you um somebody's downloaded two or three pieces of content from you decent high value activity or they've done all three which means even 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 better they'll be building scores there somebody's been on your website one point somebody's I think like somebody's well, someone's been on it. I think somebody's look, liked something on LinkedIn. So the way we'd look at it is, is point. higher value landing pages. So if they've landed on something that we perceive to be high value, and if they've listened yeah. to the podcast or watched the YouTube video or yeah. whatever it might be, as a business, what we always say is that person more invested in talking to BDB than they were 
yeah. three days ago, and the answer is yes. Yeah. So yeah, give them a score. But at a really, but at a really high level, if you go, I'm trying to think, think the most simplest way for me to think yeah. about this. If you set a one and a five, yeah. So you've got a low low value activity and a high value activity, yeah. and you set your trigger of twenty five points. Yeah. It's easy, so they're going to take a lot of ones, which either they've done, they've liked an awful lot of posts and they've, they've been on the website a lot of times or whatever, they've done, they've clicked a few different features or whatever it may be, or they're going to take four or five, and this is that stop selling, start helping, but in the sense of helping them, if they've downloaded a piece of this, they've done that, they've followed us on this, they've listened to a podcast, they've followed us on a journey, I would say if they've done four or five of those high, higher value activities, then they should be deserving of a call or a contact. The issue we've got with our clients still is to buy it too soon, no? No, but, but yeah, they are thing I'd always argue, and we were not, not with you because I know you're well open to it, is the door, they're already ringing you by yeah. that time, aren't they? Yeah, probably. Probably made an inquiry, they've got in touch. Or, or for me, when you do contact them via LinkedIn or by phone call, they already feel like they know you. Yeah. And that's that's the whole thing about lead scoring. Yeah. And just, I don't, I, I can't, I don't know anyone else who, it, I obviously see thousands of businesses every week through my network and what yeah. we do here at PDB. And I think when you met, and I think they do think it's difficult. And don't get me wrong, it is not the most. You have to have the right tech stack in place, yeah. which is tough. You have to have the right sales, market, enablement strategy in place. Yeah. But there is basics. I mean, we started with basics here, and we're yeah. building on that. It's not a. It's not a get rich quick scheme of you put you put leads coming in place and everything transform. You, you have got to have everything else in place. Just to be clear, a hundred percent. But if you don't know the quality of that lead with some kind of measure or metric. You're still, you're still casting the net wide and hoping oh, something you are. sticks. Of course you are. So, that's why I, that's why I think ABM or what I like to say in common sense marketing of agreeing who you want to sell to in the first place works because by doing that you shouldn't end up with too much wasted effort. And I know we refer to it as zero waste marketing, but I kind of believe more in that more in that mantra. You'll always have the wider general awareness pieces. Mm. But of those general wider awareness pieces you're doing, how do you know if somebody comes to you with a decent lead? But I think that the particular client, with the client with the opportunity we're speaking about here, it's just a real, a real live example that many businesses of all sizes suffer with sales and marketing. So, and so where, so having reflected a little bit on that, then where do you, where do you think they've, they're falling down from a sales and marketing alignment? What, what I don't know enough about yet, and what I'll look to find out in the, in the coming weeks, I guess, is the infrastructure that they've got in play, and right. the team, and the setup, and the kind of the organogram type setup of their business, because. This is what I mean about people. It's very easy to say you've got a sales and marketing alignment issue, but if they've got teams sat all over the, the, the globe in, in different pockets, and, and when you say you need to get your sales and marketing speaking to one another, how do they do that? What tech stack have they got in place to support that? How can they make that come to life uh, for, a, for an audience group? So I, I want to know more information. For me personally, I think at the outset, we'd qualified the customer better, qualified the lead better, I think if we'd have asked the question at the beginning, how does this feed into sales? You know, which should be part of our role as well of how are they going to follow up on this? And what, what CRM does that feed into? What's the trigger point? Does it just drop into the CRM, into the ether of opportunities and then people are scrapping over it? But if it's a low value, low ranking trigger, do people, do, do sales, people even know it's there? Yeah, the salespeople. Uh, Is there which, any kind of response to when somebody makes the inquiry? Did they get anything back? Did yeah. they get a thanks for, thanks for your inquiry? Somebody will be in touch within 24 hours. No, I don't think so. No. So there's, there's gaps all over the show in it in a way. Mm. Um, but it's just ironic that it's been paused because it was generating more leads than they could deal with, which is yeah. just, I think it's a strange situation to be in and one that you don't come across every week. So. No, and I think when you look at it, again, 
looking at the sales side of things, it's really important to understand how they farm them leads out, whether it's, I know when we're in a sales organisation, sometimes you're, you're on a list and the next person on the list, sometimes the highest, the, the person with the most sales got fed, if you like. Yeah. And all organisations work differently. And I think that's probably a really, if they're just farming them out and they, the, to excuse the pun, like terrible salespeople are getting them, mm-hmm. which could be the case, it's just you're next in line. And a terrible salesperson doesn't really. Or again, it's a question I haven't got an answer to yet. Yeah. Did sales even know the campaign was taking place? So that I mean, that the crux of the issue, right back at the basics, is did were they even aware this was happening? Did anybody even give sales a heads up? And you know, the size of the business is so much different if you're working in an own managed SME yeah. uh, in territory where they sat across the room from each other, and somebody will go, "Oh, Chris, this campaign's going live today. You okay picking this up?" So it's, it's really interesting you say that because when I work for Yellow Pages, Yellowcom to most people now on a quarterly basis sometimes a monthly basis but we used to have a meeting every quarter mm-hmm. and marketing would come in and they present to us all the campaigns that were going out right. so if you you knew if you got a tele, television inquiry yeah. that someone had been on what she had on the TV and it came through it had a 90% chance of converting but what's interesting is We've got 40 people in this business now, and I know how hard it is to do that with a yeah. team of 40. Yeah. So in the sense of keeping, job, every, keeping everybody abreast of what's going on, because normally you're up against the deadline, you're trying to get something out, you're rushing to finish something off, and people are being pulled in multiple directions. And for us personally, our own marketing is always put to the back of the queue because yeah. our client work comes first, which we tried to address that this year by making you know ourselves a priority. We've got a team working on it. The reality is it will still always be at the back of the queue behind client work. That's what we're paid to do. Um, however, it's really hard to keep everybody up to date with that. So, you know, we do monthly meetings where every month on a Monday we'll sit down and say, okay, guys, this is the campaign that's just gone out. This is what you need to know about it. <clears throat> Therefore, if anybody references it, you get inquiries off it, whatever it could be, at least they know roughly like what you said, what, what they're speaking about. But at that meeting, what if five people are off? So then you've got five more people to follow up with. So then you've got to do some kind of voice note or team update, yeah. which, okay, you do that, but then somebody doesn't read it. But how do you mandate the reach? So, so this is with 40 people, let alone thousands, thousands of, people of people on a global scale. Yeah. So it's, it's a challenge, that's what I mean. So you've got, I think, like we said earlier, the key thing is break it down into manageable chunks. Yeah. And don't panic too much about conquering the world overnight. If you can get a campaign that runs well, even if it's in territory on a smaller test basis, start there and work out how that, why that was more successful, how you got that to be more successful, and then try and devise some kind of procedures. I, 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 actually, I do actually think that's the key, because I think when you start getting into the bigger, wider stuff, you know, you're talking change management, you, you know, you're talking everything, and, and and it is simpler with a small silo amount of people, yeah. rather than yeah. trying to change the world straight away. Well, I think you can... The fear factor puts you off doing things because you go, that sounds hard. Lead scoring, that sounds hard. This tech stack, our tech well, especially with a, hard. especially with global organisations, because yeah. you've got to get approval of three, two or three up potentially. If you, you know, but all, you've got all approval, but you've already got approval to do the campaign. You've got approval to spend that money, mm. and all the people that have granted approval to do that, all they want is return on investment. Surely, yeah, surely. Do an ROI. But so, but do, what, you not, do you not think people? I think sometimes no, I'm not talking about this particular client. What I've mentioned it before is we still get people who t- are, are, are tick box exercises. And are, are no, I think that's because you end, businesses end up of a certain scale where budget holders have budgets that they need to spend, otherwise their budgets will be cut. 
And it's, cr it's crazy to think like that, but they've got an allocation of a certain amount of budget per annum that they need to spend. And they get that every year regardless because that's their marketing. To, you know, you can see that they've got a marketing quota, a marketing budget that they need to spend every year. The board have signed off on this line in the P&L which says marketing. And they're happy, with, they're happy with that amount to be spent. They want that amount to be spent because if not, then they'll question why the performance wasn't there and so on. But for me, if you're going to release any kind of marketing budget, what do you want to achieve from that marketing budget? Even if it's a campaign level or a global scale, yeah. I assume people want sales. I assume they want more market share. I assume they want to grow yeah. or protect the market share potentially. But usually one of those outcomes is what people are after. And if that's the case, okay. then surely the return on investment is quite critical. So, so, case guys so, for, so for people who are listening who listen to this podcast, I know there's, there's a few obviously I've, I've seen give us good feedback and stuff. But mm -hmm. How... If you were a small to medium-sized business at the moment, yeah. and some of the stuff that we've said resonated with you today, yeah. how would you start your sale, using the inverted commas, your sales and market enablement journey? I think depending on your size of your teams, the first thing you've got to do is get them speaking to one another. I know that sounds ridiculously basic, but in most businesses they don't. So if you're small enough that it's the same people, ideally you've only got yourself to blame in this instance. Of course you have. If you've got anywhere beyond one person, you've got a marketing function and a sales team of different varieties. So you know, anywhere from sort of five to five people upwards almost to an extent, you're going to have people in different roles. Mm -hmm. And having the key thing for me is getting cohesive KPIs in play. So targets where they have the same target. So rather than having impressions or visits or clicks or this or that, other from the marketing point, it's how much money do we want this campaign to generate where sales and marketing sit down together and sign off on that metric. Or which business, and also then back from that, which businesses are we targeting? That, yeah. yeah. Well, the first instance, but that's more of an ABM approach. Yeah. If, it's, if it's a vast market kind of let's just go out there for an awareness campaign and hope something sticks. But how much awareness do you want to generate? And ultimately, how much business do you want to generate from that? From an ABM, you can be a lot more targeted with yeah, the KPIs. Yeah. You say, say, I want to work with these accounts. I want a minimum sales value of X or whatever it may be. Um, and if you're spending nominal fees, if you're spending £10,000 on a marketing campaign, then surely you want at least £10,000 of business. 20, 30, 40, 50, don't know. Depends yeah. on your average order value. Depends on your One customer market. could deliver half a million pounds, one yeah. customer could deliver £50. And this is where you've got to understand your business, yeah. understand all these different so, metrics and put them in play. But that's the thing is that I think where KPI is concerned, you've got, to, you've got to strip everything right back, haven't you? Yeah. You've got to do the analysis in, in terms of, you know, obviously we're big on research and insights here. And I think you've got to strip everything back. What is your average conversion rate? What is your... Um, an important one, which one not a lot of agencies don't do, is what's your average time to convert a lead? Yeah. Well, particularly in B2B, I think B2B, I would say, and a modest estimate, is six months plus. Yeah. Because you've got eight to ten decision makers involved in the process, multiple layers of pitching, beauty Easy. parades... So six to eight, some, six to eighteen. Sometimes months. it takes a while budgets to sign off. I've, I've seen it was six to eighteen months to get a bill out the door. Yeah. Before, from first engagement to winning it, but you're, you're on the hook all the way through. You do stuff all the way yeah. through. Um, but I think that kind of lead time is important. So it's is, really is, important. is that campaign expected to generate something quickly, or is it awareness? Because if it's awareness, then it's harder to get a sale for lack of yeah. it. So different KPIs could be in play there, but people need to be having that dialogue. And if without that, I don't. Well, I think I think to stress your point though, it's it is. Sales and marketing can't have a different goal, a different KPI, or, or even clash on anything. They've got to 
The moment that the moment that lead passes from marketing to sales, it's got to mean something. Yeah. Where, what's that cutoff point? I think this is the. And it's got to be feedback going the other way. In fact, that is the point. So what what is the cutoff point between the marketing and sales functions? Because you talk about this marketing qualified lead, call it what you want. Marketing can have their own KPIs to a point. So if they're doing an awareness campaign, sales probably aren't that bothered about it unless it triggers a certain level of activity that gives them some aim somewhere. Website visits which convert into leads. But in yeah. reality, once they go, there you go, sales, that's a lead. Sales need to have confidence that that is a lead that they should deserve, want, desire to work with, which mm. is where the joined up KPIs come into play. There. And, well, and, and let's be clear, if it's not, there needs to be feedback going back to marketing, which then feeds back to an agency. You can amend the campaign. Yeah, so it's regular dialogue, it's open, transparent communication around things and breaking down these barriers that do still exist, all these stereotypes between sales and marketing. So they, they, they are there. Sales think they could survive without marketing, marketing think they could survive without sales. And we've done some really interesting um, sort of debates on this stuff as well. Um, we're at the E3 conference again, exactly to that point. Could sales survive without marketing? Could marketing survive without sales? It was perfectly done in a debate environment down in Oxford. But it's an interesting point when you unravel it back. And the, the two the two departments, the two functions are absolutely wholeheartedly reliant on one another. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. So sales can't survive without marketing. If you go down that route, it, it, it's hilarious. The number of things that are marketing, beer bottles, whatever, what, yeah. you know, branding or anything. You know, so you can go take it to the nth degree. But then, could marketing survive without sales? Well, obviously not, because there's no end product at the other end of it, is there? So why not the like? Why why is it taken? That's a question I think. For the past fifteen years, if not been what as long as time as long as marketing's been in existence, they haven't because they they haven't been aligned. So what? Because why? it probably exists from the old the old days of, of marketing and sales, where sales were the old school salesmen out there. Bravado, the, 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 the meet and greet Chasing guys. Chasing the leads, yeah, yeah, the schmoozers, and they were the guys that were winning that work. Nothing to the, the marketing who were just pre- colouring in nice pictures back in, the, back in the ad world or whatever you want to call it. But that is totally different. It's totally different. And in the sense that they are holding a light on each other because the, the environment's changed, the marketing landscape's evolved, the buyer's changed, the technology that's at our disposal, the way people access information through online and offline and all the rest of it. It's all evolved to such a rapid way now that the teams have, have got to work together. So, yeah, the, it's not definitely the, 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 sh- def- the old school sales. Now. I know I've said that on a previous podcast. It's not the still time for smoothing no, 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 the contacts, that personal human touch. But, but, but there is, there is, there is. But there's a lot of work to do before that, isn't there? The thing is, I think there's the old school salespeople touch. I love all that dinners, all that kind of stuff. I'm big, I'm big for that. Um, but I think what's changed in the market is there's so much more work now to do pre that actually happening. But we should be serving it to the salesman yeah, on the plate. Yeah, that's yeah. what marketing's role should no, be. No, should. Well, going, it's, it's, it, this it's, guy wants to buy from us, go and close. This, this is it's easy as ever, ever, ever has been before. In fact, if executed properly. If executed properly. And that's, that, the that's the point. It should be literally like, here's, here's, a, here's a fantastic lead. They, they want to buy from us. Yeah. They've been on this, they've done this, they've engaged with well, all these touch well, points. We've had, it recently, we've had it recently. We've had a couple of three clients I can think of, um, two which we're currently pitching at the moment, who, just to give you an idea from a podcast point of view um, they've listened to the podcast they've listened to Man in Your Talk so by the time they've walked into the room mm-hmm. they're, they're all scored higher because yeah. we know yeah. they've done all those things but the meetings were just a damn sight easier because oh, but you, you've proved your worth that comes back to the other podcast again about liking and respecting they respect yeah. you before you walk in there because they know you know you're 
and say you're only into Quizlet Translate. Well, you know, you, you know your business, you know your, your competent, your intellectual, hopefully, and you know your subject matters mm. to be discussed on. The chemistry comes when meeting you, when they get together with you, when they meet you in person. So it's more than that digital kind of introduction. But then, as you said, that they feel familiar with you, and that's the surely for a salesman. That's that literally goal, is it? goal. It's just goal to go well, in there. Well, the, the goal for sales or marketing is to have that one one on one marketing relationship, isn't it? That, that's the that's the holy grail. But that's it's, it's achievable to have that if you can get the sales and marketing people speaking to one another and aligned in their thinking and the way they approach it and their KPIs. This this it's a, it can be a reality to get that working environment. Because because I was going to say if I was if you're a startup now or you're going into business now, um, to be honest, even if you're a global global organisation and you were in a marketing team or sales team yeah have a real think about the difference between person A and person B and what I mean by person A and person B me and Matt have covered on this podcast a little bit but person A is somebody that you don't track you don't know they've got bro- you might have had a brochure they might have they might have done a lot of things but the fact of the matter is you don't know how how much do you track every client that comes into your website, to your um, social media channels, how well do you track them? If you don't track them at all at the moment, then you can't really lead score them. But then you've got client B who, like Matt said, been on your website, watch a YouTube video, listen to a podcast, download a high value piece of content. They've uh, been on multiple pages. You've met them. You've seen them at one of your events. Which customer is most valuable? Now, I guarantee that most people will pick B, but in fact, they're the same person. It's just that you've not got the, the technology or the process in place to, to measure it. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I think it, I think it is. It's the way it's the way it's going, and I think the, the the key thing for us as a business will be to help people overcome the issue. So mm-hmm. rather than just talking about it like everybody else seems to be, unpicking those pain points, unpicking them, and helping people develop and get, giving genuine consultancy around how. Mm-hmm can overcome these problems so, so there's an awful lot of people speaking about it I and mean, there's very few people offering tangible examples of how they can actually correct the well, issues. Well I, I think there's very few, I think where we stand out from the rest is very few people offering consultancy on it and I think that's absolutely massively key. I mean we just did a, um, a conference with a client, a global client and we were offering consultancy on how they can, not by using an agency by the way, they will need to, uh, to use an agency on some of it, but how they can transform their communication between... Well, I think that's the fortunate position we sit in, though, since we see so many different businesses, mm. so many different types of businesses, scales of businesses, um, locations, nationalities, you name it, and we see some that get it really right, Yeah. and we can take some of those learnings and best practices into some of the companies that aren't maybe getting it as right, mm. or for some of the people who want to start intro- introducing these kind of concepts into the business, and that's... It's quite a unique position to sit in to see such a widespread example of that on a global scale that you can then you know, genuinely help people with and help improve their world. I guess is what we're so, so. Where do you where do you where do you where do you think the market's going now then with this? Because it's moved at such a rapid pace. I know we always say align or die, and I do, I do truly believe the align or die analogy because I think sales and marketing. Might be a bit of bold on this. I think sales and marketing for me will become one team. Yeah. I don't think you have a sales well, I don't or a think marketing I think team. I think you'll just have a team. team. To, I, I, my gut feel would say that's a sales team and everybody would work in sales. Yeah. Um, well, everyone does work in sales, so just be classical. Yeah, player. but they probably call it like an amplification team and yeah, a content yeah, yeah. team and a this team. Let's be a nice team. I wonder if marketing might, the word marketing might maybe disappear at some point and turn into just 
types of sales. Well, it's funny you types of selling, maybe. Because the, we're going to go. We're going to another pitch in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, the marketing lady said, "The guy who runs my business doesn't believe in marketing; just mm-hmm. believes in sales." Yeah, and he's a proper old school. Yeah, and I was like, "Well, that's good because that we are a lead generation." Yeah, sales. Agency. Ideal. Yeah. You know, we are, I think they always make me laugh when people say I'm not in sales because I think every person is. Yeah, but we had it today, we had another prospect in today where they were kind of, you can see that reticence or reluctance to sort of embrace marketing, not been in marketing before, they made it to a certain size of business. Um, and you could, you could see it, you could feel it from them that marketing, what, what are they going to do? And, you know, when you start speaking about, com- com- nobody wants to speak marketing, I want to help you sell more, I want to help you achieve your objectives for growth in this case and new territory expansions yeah. and selling to new territories. Well, let's start there. Let's work out how we're going to help you do that. Really, yeah. that's the ultimate objective. You can call it what you want, really, in between. But that's that's the genuine. And I guess outcomes and outputs is yeah. what what do you want to succeed and what does that look it's like? It's really digging deep into really what what success means to them, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, doke. We'll leave it there for today. Interesting podcast. Nice, uh, nice beer while we while we did the podcast tonight. So thanks like a, for that. Like a sponsorship, isn't it? Yeah. Um, thanks for everyone for listening as always. Please subscribe to the podcast if you want to know when the latest episode comes out, but they usually come out every week. And yeah, also I think if you've got if you've got any questions you want us to address, you know, leave it in a comment underneath somewhere and we'll happily pick those up as topics and try and work them through for you as well. And it's been recorded again. We're live, we're gonna be live on YouTube. Yeah. Um, these podcasts are going out on both. So it's, I think that's where we can get a lot of interaction. So if you watch this on YouTube, absolutely amazing. Leave some comments. What you what would you like us to cover? Um happy to take on any considerations and um, any feedback would be great. Perfect. All right. See you next week. See you next week.